0: You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shimaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. All right, well, welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. And thanks for tuning in once again. We got a good episode ahead today. Yeah, we're looking
1: forward to talking with Frosty Hansen, who is the current president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, and he'll be talking with us about calling to ministry and what that looks like in his own life and how he works with pastors across the country to work out their own callings
0: in ministry. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. We are going to talk a little bit about calling as well, since we are the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I wonder if people might have been wondering what that
1: was all about from the beginning.
0: I suppose it's time to answer those questions.
1: Could have been a good
0: first episode. (laughs) Never too late to start over. But before we get started, just wanted to remind everybody that we are on Twitter. And so if you tweet, we tweet too. And so you can follow us at at Pastoral Calling. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and and let us know how you like the podcast. And maybe if you want to hear us talk about something specific, you can reach out to us there. Uh, Also, if you get a chance, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find out about the podcast because as reviews come in, it kind of bumps things up. So if you get a chance, we'd love for you uh, to do that. And hopefully you're enjoying the show. We are enjoying making it, right? Absolutely. It's been really refreshing every other week to come in together
1: and talk about a new topic related to ministry and and pastoral calling and to talk to these different pastors. It's
0: been really exciting. Absolutely. So speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about calling. What is your experience with that, Matt? I, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Did you ever consider going into pastoral ministry? I really did.
1: I was enrolled in the pastoral ministry program at Grace Bible College, actually. And I never really stopped thinking of myself in relationship to ministry. I always saw my work as a teacher to be for the building up of the local church, whether that was through actually teaching in the local church, which is a pastoral task in scripture those, like in Ephesians 4, those two ministries of pastoring and teaching are not separated from one another. So I've always come to see teaching as itself a shepherding task.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one thing that I've always appreciated about you and about your teaching style is there is that kind of personal connection there where you bring in some of the elements of the stuff we've been talking about on this pod uh, to a setting that's not a traditional church. And I think that's, really effective in that way
1: it's really about when you're ministering pastorally it's not intellectual knowledge puffs up a love builds up yeah. you want to uh, really shepherd and nurture the heart of people and that's what we try to do as pastors that's what i try to do as a college professor and that is so emotional it's so
0: unique to each person so how did you decide to do what you're doing? Like. I think you would use the word calling for what you do. For sure. It it seemed
1: to be just always the next most natural step mm. following that call toward following that call toward teaching theology, toward becoming an academic or being a professional scholar. That was always easy for me, and I don't necessarily believe that that your calling or pursuing your calling will always be easy, but I maybe I would say natural. Yeah. It always seemed to flow from one thing to the next very naturally. Although there were
0: obstacles, there were never obstacles in, in my calling. Yeah, I, that's kind of been my experience too. I don't really have like a clouds parting voice from heaven slash an email from God type thing telling me this is what I want you to do. But it is was always kind of that persistent evolution of kind of my natural passions and desires and giftings Coupled with affirmation, I think from other people, that was a big thing for me as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, it gets confirmed as you go along, right? And yet, I think there's some question about
1: calling whether it's a legitimate thing because you can't quantify it. Right. Everyone's experience is so different and unique. Uh, another term that's frequently used more in the Roman Catholic setting, and I got I heard a lot of this when I was at Notre Dame, is is the idea of vocation. Hmm. And you hear that in the Catholic setting because people are actually pursuing priestly vocations. Sure. And that's the way you talk about becoming a priest or a nun. But in the Catholic setting, when you're talking about calling and vocation, it's very formational. It's very intentional. Uh, not only are you nurtured from a young age, like from the time you're a teenager, to be thinking about, gosh, I think I'd like to be a priest someday, but you have to go to college and then you have to go to seminary and you have to do the MDiv in the seminary experience. And that process uh, for becoming a priest or a nun in in Roman Catholicism is really lengthy and it's really rigorous. They really want you to make sure that this is what you're called to do before, because there's no going back after that. And in Protestantism, we don't have the same rigor of working out that calling, is
0: just almost uh, uh, an ad hoc. My experience was y- it kind of starts like that. It maybe starts as as an inkling, uh, but as it as it gets closer, and especially as I was in Bible college and going through my process of licensing licensing and ordination, there is kind of this constant um, overwatch, maybe of people wanting to make sure that. You have your head on your shoulders in the right way. You're getting into this for the correct reasons, um, which I think is helpful. You know, it may not be as rigorous as what you just described, mm-hmm. but there still is that process of making sure that, that that's the right the right path. And I think that's a good thing that
1: we formalize that process again. Maybe not to the level that the Roman Catholics do, but there is oversight. In the Grace Gospel Fellowship, it's it's a lengthy process. It's rigorous. You feel the sense of something that's very weighty yeah. uh, that is a ministry that you're taking on uh, that's very significant in your life and in the lives of others. You need to be prepared for that. So you were saying that it kind of grew as an inkling for you and developed more and more through your college ministry, your college life, your college yeah. ministry,
0: early on in your pastoral ministry? Yeah. To... So, so I grew up in a pastor's home. And so that was kind of a, a lifestyle that was very familiar with me. I, but it wasn't really until later in high school, I had some opportunities, went on a mission trip, and was just kind of put in a leadership position where I started to like experience what it meant to be a spiritual leader amongst peers and amongst people, and really realized that that was something that I I liked and something that I seemed to be good at. People seemed to be responding to my leadership, and so when I came to school, I kind of started in that path. But it all kind of led up to um, the summer after I graduated. I had been working at Celebration, the church where I'm at, at, just leading worship and that sort of thing. And they approached me and and with the idea of of me coming on full time as the associate pastor. At the same time, uh, my friend Tommy had invited me to come and to play music with him full time. Now, you have to realize that like, since I was 15 years old, and I had my MXPX posters on the wall, and my dream was to be a professional musician, right? Like everything I did, besides anything ministry was working towards that. Moved to Bremerton. Moved to Bremerton. That's yes, right. That's the first key. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so now I like had this opportunity to do this to like, and so I just spent that summer, Tommy and I were out playing around uh, around the country during that summer, just really thinking about, like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, Celebration's offering me this job. Tommy's offering to have me play music with him full-time. And I just spent time thinking and praying, and I read through the New Testament, not really any specific goal to get out of it, but just to read and just to kind of get myself in tune um, with with God. And I think just over the course of the summer, I just kind of naturally molded myself into, like, this is what I'm called to do. Like, there was no specific moment. It just felt right, and it felt like this is what I, I need to be doing. I need to, to go into ministry, And it's ministry. almost like doing anything else wouldn't feel right at that point. Yeah, exactly. And And I think playing music would have been great, and it would have been good, and I would have been able to do ministry in that way as well. But this was... It Like, this was what I was called to
1: do. So it's interesting that you said, they're offering me this job. And I think that in our culture, most of the time, people think about pastoral ministry as a job. Right. Maybe you went to school for it, or maybe you didn't. But that's your job, and I have my job over here. Right. And the pastor's job, they only work one day a week, too. So I know. That's so it's a bonus. So they get all the week off. <laughs> And it doesn't seem that hard yeah. to get up there and right. do what the pastor I does. I could do that. <laughs> but talk a little bit about as you came into that associate pastor role and now as you're the, the senior pastor there at Celebration, how did your sense of the
0: burden for ministry change? Like, how did that become graver, like more weighty? When it was m- most clear to me was when I did the transition from associate pastor to senior pastor. So I was the associate pastor for five years at Celebration, and then um, our senior pastor moved to a different ministry, and I became the senior pastor. And in that like transition, all of a sudden it goes from, I'm vocationally a pastor, but I'm here to help and to serve Paul, who was my my senior pastor. I'm here to kind of be his right-hand man, to suddenly, almost overnight, this whole ministry is is God's ministry but it's it's I'm the the main caretaker for this ministry and there is just a weightiness to everything that I did at that point not only ministry functions but just my life like starting to see myself as like I am the pastor of this church now like this is my flock And that was a really grueling time for you, I remember, because you felt
1: that, but it wasn't formalized in terms of your role or your job description. It was like six or eight months where there was this intervening window where you felt the burden of the ministry, but
0: it wasn't yours officially yet. Yeah, and that was really difficult, too, because um, there was the possibility kind of in that in-between when the board was, was making the decision. And I'm really glad that they did and they went through the right process to do that. But there was this period where I'd started to take ownership, yet I had to keep in the back of my mind, it's possible that somebody else is going to be called and I'm going to be kind of put back into my own role. And so that was a very interesting time of like, I was becoming the pastor of this church, but I didn't want to hold it too tightly. That was a slow process. Slow process, but
1: a good process. But my sense is that even there, that was confirming
0: first you're calling to ministry but then also you're calling to a specific church. Yeah, absolutely. If I would have just been like, yeah, if I get it, I don't if it don't, you know, that maybe would not have been a a good way to to handle it. And and so maybe for people if we have any young prospective pastors out there listening, you know, I think the the old advice of only become a pastor if you have to, <laughs> if, if you can't do anything else, mm-hmm. like if that is the only thing that you can do, it's a beautiful life. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's challenging in ways that you're not going to know until you do it. But I think if you don't have that passion, that calling, <laughs> that connection to the ministry, it's going to be really hard to serve I like that a lot. That makes me think of even my own
1: calling at Grace Bible College, and I'd use much of the same description that you would as I've worked that out over 10 years and have gotten to the point where I've looked for other jobs, I've applied for other professor jobs, Mm -hmm. and I'll have friends and other people who will come to me and say, you know, you're still at Grace Bible College with this degree from Notre Dame. You could go anywhere. You could write your own ticket. I'm not sure that's exactly true. Because one of the things that calling, this idea of calling does, is it it narrows yeah. the range of options. Yeah. If I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do, then there's a limited set of possibilities, all of which God will reveal to me in time. I love the way you talked about reading scripture broadly to, to get in tune with God, of praying, of listening, of the affirmation mm. of others. And... I've had the same experience at Grace Bible College, not not that I'm a pastor. I would not claim that for myself, although I'm licensed and ordained through the Grace right. Gospel Fellowship. I think of myself as a teacher in that role. Um, I have so much respect for pastors who carry the kind of burden that you're talking about. At the same time, I feel that similarly for Grace Bible College in yeah. my own teaching. I don't feel like I could be doing anything
0: else. And even when I've tried, it seemed like the way is shut. Right all comes back to Balaam, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, and so well, I think you make a good point. We talk about pastoral calling on this podcast because that's kind of what the, the idea is, but I truly think that there's callings beyond pastoral ministry. I think there's plenty of vocations that people are called to where they can be faithfully present in that place. Absolutely. And at Grace Bible College,
1: that's something we try to emphasize with students, we have all of these different academic degrees. It's not just those who are called to ministry who are called. Right. Everyone is called. We're uniquely gifted. We have unique experiences. We're all shaped differently by God to serve him in these unique ways. Here we're talking about pastoral calling, but we never want to say that that is a more important calling than the calling to be a homemaker right. or a craftsman. Or and something.
0: so I think that becomes one of the tasks of the pastor is to affirm that in people and to equip people to understand that wherever they are in life, they can be responding responding to God in that place. Like they don't have to be a pastor to be effective, or to be holy,
1: yeah. or to be pleasing to God with their life, or to be first class as opposed to second
0: class Christian. Right. Yeah. So that's like, I think after a pastor can kind of confirm their own calling. They begin to work that concept out into the lives of their flock and their their congregation. Right. And even to be aware of the danger of coming to
1: see ourselves as having a special calling or a special burden that we don't have our feet on the
0: ground. That's difficult, though, because I I think there is some truth to that, though. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of like um, they talk about the club of former presidents and there's like what four of them alive right now. It's a, it's a job that only they know what it's mm. like. And I think to some degree, there is this brotherhood of of pastors or camaraderie of pastors. But I wonder if there's a way of working out
1: the pastoral calling, part of the discipline of which is understanding that you do carry burdens that no one else carries and doing that gracefully. Yeah doing that in a way that, that is humble and doesn't draw attention to oneself. Right. Uh, really following Jesus in that humility that Jesus had of uh, a servant leader, uh, putting others' needs before his own, of thinking of himself as nothing, that downward trajectory of right. the pastor. Well, this has been really good to talk about pastoral calling and calling to ministry. There's a ton more that we could say, but I'm looking forward to talking to Frosty and hearing what his thoughts about all this. Yeah, so we'll be right back with Frosty Hansen. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. We're here with Frosty Hansen, president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. Good to see you, Frosty.
2: Great to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast. Long-time listener. Long-time listener. First-time guest. I have listened to all the... Uh, different podcasts, except for this one. (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing what I have to say, so.
0: We are as well. (laughs) This is a good start. So Frosty is currently the president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. Uh, If you're not familiar with the GGF, we've talked a lot about Grace Bible College. Grace Gospel Fellowship, Grace Bible College are all kind of connected. Frosty is is the president of the fellowship, which is a network of churches all across the United States. But you've done more than that. Why don't you just kind of tell us what your experience has been since you first went into pastoral ministry
2: okay my first church was in Eastern Oregon a town called Long Creek a town of 210 people Wow so this was small church rural ministry very rural still we bigger
0: were, than our podcast listenership uh,
2: probably we uh, <laughs> we were 40 miles from the nearest town uh, two hours from the hospital where our boys were born Wow. So uh, so pretty isolated. and We had a church there of about 70. We were the only evangelical church in town okay. and had a good ministry there for about five years. Following that, uh, the Lord called us to Bethesda Church in Minneapolis where I was associate pastor for a couple of years. And when the pastor, Roger Anderson, moved to Prunedale, California, uh, the church then called me to be the senior pastor and I continued to serve there until 1992, at which time uh, the Lord called us to the mission field. Mm. So Kathy and I uh, served as missionaries uh, in Bolivia, South America, under Grace Ministries International, which is a partner ministry of ours as well. And we served there for t- about just about 12 years. Mm. In 2004, the Lord called us to come back to the States to work with the Grace Gospel Fellowship, and I've been here ever since.
0: So, you've been the president of the GGF since 2004, but just recently, um, some of our listeners may know, you put in your resignation from from that position. So, what's up with that?
2: Well, I am stepping down from the position of president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, and not really sure where the Lord is going to lead us next. Mm. Uh, When I was looking at the needs of the GGF at this particular time, the direction it needs to be going, I knew that God had gifted me in certain areas that I had been used by him in my areas of giftedness, but really feel that the GGF needs to take a step forward with somebody who has a different gift set. Mm. And... I began to pray about this. The more I was praying about it, the more I felt that it would be best for me to make the move because the GGF never would. My leadership team has been extremely supportive of me. Uh, But I think that they knew also that um, to a certain degree we needed some other gifts involved in the leadership of the GGF and I felt like it would be best for me to take that step um, after a lot of prayer, a lot of, of searching of my heart and uh, looking to see what the Lord might have, I don't know where he's going to lead us. Um, I just know that I just had that, that calm sense of assurance that, mm. that he will and that I needed to take that step. And so that's what we've done.
1: That's one of the things that we didn't talk about really in, in our earlier conversation about calling is the peace that comes when you know you're moving in the direction that God wants you to go.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Can you talk a little more about that discernment process? You said it, it took a lot of prayer, but how long did you spend in in your sense of, I know what my gifts are, I know how the Lord has used me, and yet I'm not sure this is the right fit anymore?
2: Well, I began to feel, to first feel that maybe somebody with a different gift set was needed about a year before. But after prayer at that time, talking to my wife, and I always believed that a move like this, you need to consult your spouse, and also talking to people on my leadership team and to counselors, friends that I have, accountability partners, um, I sensed that I needed to, to stay there were some things that needed to happen or that were still happening in the GGF where my gift set is needed. And I still believe that there are some things where my gift set is needed in the the GGF. So I'm not saying that they don't need people who are doing what I'm doing. But I had that sense that another step needed to be taken. And this was kind of growing over a period of time. I think the thing that um, probably was most influential in my life in the last few months was reading a book uh, called Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret by Howard Taylor who is his son who was his son Hudson Taylor was a missionary to china he was he was from england went to china lived a life of absolute faith and trust in the lord and this book was written by his son in the early 1900s looking back at his father's life steps of trust and faith in the Lord that he had taken and uh, as as I was reading this book I just saw over and over again how important it is in our lives as believers not counting just people in ministry but all of our lives and believers to walk in such communion and such faith and trust in the Lord that we are allowing him to make the decisions in our life and so That, coupled with my Bible reading, uh, going through the book of Luke, and thinking about how willing am I to take up my cross? What am I willing to give up and to sacrifice for the Lord if he is calling me to do it? And I began to think about my, my job. I began to think about the financial security of my job. I began to think about the comfort of living here, of doing the things that I enjoy doing, and I had to come to the place in my life where I said, okay, Lord, if it is your will for me to take a step of faith and step away from what I'm doing, I am willing to do so. And um, the difficulty of that, every time I have moved from one ministry to the other in the past, it's always been knowing where I was going. Yeah.
1: And it becomes something that you can't help but do. If you're going to be faithful, if you're going to be obedient, it's the next natural step.
2: But this time, not knowing was unusual for for me. But this time, just like Abraham, who left, went where God called him to go, even though he didn't know where he was going.
1: I imagine, as people are listening to this, and who have other vocations, who maybe aren't pastoral ministry, that you think later in life... I'm going to quit my job and go where I don't know what the Lord might be leading me to do. It's got to be unthinkable, Uh, and it's remarkable that you would do that. Well, you give up some stuff, but you gain some stuff too, right?
2: Absolutely, and you know, I have had friends who have made choices to not accept a promotion or to take a lower position at their place of employment, because they knew that God was calling them and they didn't know how it would affect their family or their future.
0: I think that's a good example of the awareness that's necessary that life is not about climbing the corporate ladder, but there's a higher calling. As you talk about your, your experience, I think one of the things that keeps coming up is you have a very firm understanding of your giftings. You know, the way that you can serve effectively and that's kind of one of the the big things here at Pastoral Calling is not all pastors are the same and it's really important to kind of know how God has has equipped you Um, you I think excel in your ability to come alongside hurting people but especially hurting pastors who are in difficult situations in their churches maybe in their personal life uh, and really be a shepherd to them uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Is that something that is comes to you naturally? Is that something that you had to develop over a period of time?
2: You know I think I think as is the case in all gifting, I think some of it is some of it is obviously a gift from the Spirit. Right. I think the Holy Spirit gifts those of us who are in the body of Christ, but it's also learned. Yeah. And sometimes it's learned through experiences and sometimes it's learned through hard and difficult experiences. If I had not been in if I had not gone through some of the things I went through in my first church mm-hmm. in which I felt rejection, I was under a lot of I think spiritual attack at that time as well as personal attack from a couple of guys and if I hadn't been through that, I wouldn't understand what it feels like for a pastor to feel rejection. Mm. Um, I think God has given me a sensitive heart. I think that's part of my, my giftedness that has come from him and a sensitive spirit. But at the same time, he's helped me to see that those things can be worked through. And if it wasn't for that hardship that we went through, my character wouldn't be developed to the place where I would understand the hurt of pastors and be able to encourage them not to give up on people in their church who may today be rejecting you, but in the future may be used by God still within that church and and God might develop a a new relationship between you and that individual.
0: One of the things I often talk about in my ministry is the power of the words me too you know, the author of Hebrews talks about how we don't have a high priest who can't relate to us, but we right. have one who experienced the things that we experience. And so that's the power of the gospel. The, the real life of Jesus is one that experienced the things that we experience, And so he can say, I've been there, me too. And so in many ways, you can go to these passages and say, look, I've been there,
2: <laughs> right.
0: me too. there's just something really powerful about that camaraderie that comes out of of someone who's been there. But you know
1: that that pastors are human. Absolutely. And they have human frailties and weaknesses and struggles that are in their personal lives, struggles in their work where the work itself is frustrating, relational difficulties. um, And that humanity often, I think, is not put on display by pastors. There has to be a certain level of professionalism when
0: people see the pastor. I love the uh, little booklet that the GGF produced a few years ago called Pastors Are People Too, which is a kind of a funny little title, but the idea is to remind congregations that just like you have... (laughs) failings and temptations and feelings that get hurt pastors are in that place as well and i think that's a Absolutely. powerful part of your ministry is to remind people of that
2: I'll remind people and remind the pastors too a lot of pastors have trouble being vulnerable hmm. they have trouble admitting that um, that they have frailties and and we all do hmm. and we are people like anyone else who hurt who struggle and as Matt was saying, sometimes a pastor wants to present a persona, persona that, you know, I've got it all together. Right. That spiritually I don't struggle. That um, emotionally I don't have difficulties. When we all know that Monday is an emotional downer for a lot of pastors.
0: Right. Like Shane last week talked about how his wife wouldn't let him take Mondays off anymore because he got too grumpy. <laughs> you know,
2: I have a I have a pastoral friend who used to say, on Sunday nights and sometimes on Monday, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, I'm no good, I'm gonna quit. And his wife, bless her heart, would say to him, that's okay, you can quit, but you're starting again tomorrow.
0: <laughs>
2: and I think I like that, that sometimes we need to, sometimes we need to just step away from it. Yeah. You know That's why it's not good to evaluate ourselves on Sunday. and to evaluate our sermons on Sunday. It will do one of two things. It will either make us so depressed (laughs) that we want to give up, or, if it goes well, it will make us so prideful that we think it's all about us and that we are the tops. And as a result, we're doing it in the flesh instead of relying, humbly relying on God to lead us in our ministry.
1: Frosty, what would you want to say to pastors. I'm thinking of a, a young pastor who's 20s, 30s, 40s, somewhere before midlife, and they're discerning their calling. They want to know, I'm called to ministry, but am I called to this church? Am I called to this ministry? Uh, maybe they're in ministry, but they're sensing that it might not be the right fit anymore, that God might be moving them to go somewhere else.
2: Mm-hmm. What would you
1: want to say to them?
2: First thing I would say is trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding and what i'm saying by that is pray you know spend time seeking god and seeking his face on it Um, often i think we make decisions because of emotions we make decisions in ministry because something looks like a stepping stone for us Mm. that we can climb Um, it You know, the grass is greener on the Mm -hmm. other side. Uh, And I don't think that we spend enough time often just sitting back, praying, and asking God to lead. And I think when we do that, then I think over time, if we give God the time to do it, uh, he will make things a lot clearer. Uh, I I think that you need to analyze where you are. Is there a um, difficulty going on? And is that why I want to leave? Because I'm running? Uh, Hmm. that may be a time in which you need to stay. It's better to work on those relationships with people in your church before taking the next step. And it may be that God does want you to move, but God doesn't want you to move and leave damaged lives Hmm. or damaged relationships.
1: Well, let me ask you kind of a standard question that we ask all the guests that come on. What are the greatest joys that you have in your ministry and what's the hardest thing or maybe a grind for you?
2: Well, the greatest joy in my ministry is uh, seeing God work and dealing with pastors who are going through struggles and seeing them come to a place of surrender to the Lord, or working with churches that are going through struggles and difficulties, perhaps even conflict between the board or members in the church and the pastor, and seeing them come to a place of being united in spirit and in purpose, I mean, that that is just a tremendous joy.
1: And that's a really unique joy that not a lot of other pastors will have in their ministry of being able to see other churches come to those points of healing and reconciliation. It's really unique to the role that you've had. Absolutely.
2: I think one of the greatest difficulties, or the, I would say by far the greatest difficulty that I have had to encounter multiple times in various ministries is being involved in confronting individuals who have... uh, have struggled, who have, I say, I'll put it simply, who have fallen. As you even read in the scriptures, um, people who start to seek Him get distracted and go a different way. You look at the kings of of the Old Testament. Sometimes at the end of their lives, after a life of seeking God and being used by Him, they make choices and go a different way. And and uh, that has been extremely difficult.
0: We also like to ask if there's any books you've been reading or a book you would recommend?
2: You know, I, I mentioned Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, and that personally has been a blessing to me. It's an older book, but uh, it's $1.99 on Kindle. You know, so it's a good deal. Um,
1: While you're getting that book from the Kindle, remember to like us on iTunes.
2: <laughs> good idea. Leave us a review. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, an, another book by... By Chuck Swindoll, saying it well about his call to ministry, it's a lot of it is his testimony. Hmm. But he also talks about how he develops a sermon, so it's a good homiletics book Hmm. as well. But three things that he's trying to get across um, that he says is know who you are, accept who you are, and be who you are. Hmm. And I think that's good for us as pastors. Yeah, I think. Then I have one more book. (laughs) When keeps (laughs) coming. Uh, it's called More Than a Season, and it's by Dayton Moore, who's the general manager of the Kansas City Royals.
0: Oh, there we go. And uh, I like baseball, love yeah, baseball. We love baseball.
2: And he wrote it about the 1994 season, in which they came 90 feet away from winning the World Series, or at least tying the World Series, seventh game, but lost. Yeah. And uh he was writing it about how over about, I think it was a 10-year period, he built the Kansas City, Kansas City Royals from being losers to championship, and he uses Christian principles throughout. So I thought that was an excellent book as well.
0: It is that time of year. That was a baseball bat sound effect. Not very long. Could, it's like Moneyball for the Kansas could, City Royals. I could be on Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Frosty. We appreciate you being with us and sharing your heart. It's and, been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. And so I can't wait till you listen to this episode and then you can say you've heard them all.
2: <laughs> I can. I look forward to that.
0: <laughs> Thanks for all your ministry, Frosty.
1: And we're looking forward to seeing what, what comes next for you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate your prayers.
1: You've been listening to the pastoral calling podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Lovren. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation.